0: Oh, God, You know. You know our hearts. Like that old spiritual thing, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need Him now. We need the Spirit to open our minds to what You need to teach us. In Jesus' name, let all the people say, Amen. Alright, here's the question. What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do when it seems that God keeps slamming the door... In your face. Hmm? I tell you what, we could take a show of hands right now. You would be surprised how many of us right here, right now, feel the cold of a shut door smack dab against our noses. We're dealing with closed doors. This morning I want you to ponder with me, just for a few moments, ponder with me two classic case studies of closed doors. Perhaps by the time we're through the two case studies, it will occur to us... That, in fact, the very best way to an open door is through a closed one. Let's see if that's true. Case study number one. I love presidential libraries. I love going through them. We were coming back from St. Louis this summer, went right through Springfield, Illinois, and had the chance to visit the, you see it there on the screen, the brand new Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library. I tell you what, of all the libraries I've been to, this is the most engaging, the most intriguing, the most high-tech of presidential libraries, period. Abraham Lincoln, you know him, of course, arguably the greatest president in the history of the United States. But I didn't know this. I never realized how many closed doors Lincoln had to go through before he finally got to an open door. Let me just run this by you. My friend Don Murray gave me this list and... It's something. Now, take a look at this. We'll put it on the screen. All right. 1832, Lincoln lost his job. 1832, he was defeated in a race for the Illinois legislature. 1833, he failed in business. 1834, he he was elected to the Illinois legislature. 1835, his sweetheart died. 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. 1838, he was defeated for Speaker of the Illinois Legislature. 1842, he was defeated for election to Congress. 1846, he was elected to Congress. 1848, he lost his bid to get reelected to Congress. 1849, he was rejected for land officer. 1855, he was defeated in a race for the Senate. 1856 he was defeated in a race for the vice presidency 1858 he again was defeated in a race for the senate senate 1860 Abraham Lincoln is elected the president of the United States have mercy wow closed door closed door closed door closed door closed door closed door I tell you what, I am so tempted, I can't do it because I've got some notes on that uh, pulpit. I am so tempted to veer off here and and, and say to you, never, never, never give up. You must never, never give up. That open door may be just around the corner. Isn't that something? Okay, that's uh, case study number one. Let's go to case study number two. What do you do when it seems God keeps slamming the door in your face? Case study number two, open your Bible, please, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. I need you to do some parallel thinking now. Let's see how good you are at this. While you are finding Acts 16 in your Bible, I also need you, please, to reach into the bulletin and pull out today's brand new study guide. You're going to need that study guide. Pull it out now. If you didn't get a study guide, hold your hand up. Our ushers are ready to put one in your hands. Hold your hand up. Don't be embarrassed. You're going to want this one in the balcony. Hold your hand up. And those of you who are watching right now on television, let me put the website on the screen for you. There it is www.pmchurch.tv. Go to that website. That's our Pioneer Memorial Church website. Click on to our series, Eternity's Edge. That's the series. And the teaching you want to click on to is the Macedonian Matrix. All right, you click on there, it'll say Study Guide. You click on Study Guide. You'll have the identical study guide we've got right here because we need to get this opening proposition that we just teased at a moment ago. We need to put that in writing. So let's let's, uh, let's let's keep it in the form of a question, but let's jot it down. You've got your study guide. Fill it out, please. Could it be They're right there at the top? Could it be that the very best way to the open door? There it is. The very best way to the open door is through the closed ones. Hmm? Think about that. Now, case study number two. Acts chapter 16. I should have been turning there while I was talking. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to be in the new international version. If you didn't bring a Bible, we've got a pew Bible right in front of you. And the page number you want to find is 746. Let's go. Acts chapter 16. Everybody ready to go up here? Acts 16. Let's begin in verse 6. Fascinating, fascinating story. Acts 16. 16, verse 6, Paul and his companions travel throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Whoa, what's going on here? Let's put a map on the screen. Take a look at this map. Here is a map of uh, what we would call Asia Minor today. Let's circle Phrygia so you can see where they were. Okay, there they are. And they are also in Galatia. Let's put a circle around Galatia. Now, look it. They're finished up in those two regions, and they want to go west. Do you see Asia over there? I'll put a circle around Asia. They want to go to Asia, but the record reads, how does it read here? They were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching there. Hey, folks, sounds like a closed door to me, doesn't it? Absolutely. So instead of heading west, they have say, well, look, it, we, we've been south. We've gone east. Can't go west. What direction is left? We're going to go north. So, here they go. That would be now verse 7. And when they came, they're going northward, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, uh uh-oh, would not allow them. Let's put that map back up on the screen. So now they're going up north. Where's Mysia? There it is. And they want to go to Bithynia, but when they try, they can't get in. The Holy Spirit once again prevents them from entering a new region. Now, just a little aside here. Scholars, scholars wonder if in fact Peter, you remember Peter, big fisherman Peter, if in fact Peter was not up in Bith- Bithynia right now in his own ministry since he refers to Bithynia in one of his letters. So the supposition is the Holy Spirit decides to spare any antagonizing between these two bold apostles because I remind you just a little bit earlier in the city of Antioch in public Paul dressed down Peter by name because of Peter's waffling going back and forth over this issue of our Gentiles really secure in our community of faith so Paul calls his number in front of everybody so the thinking is the spirit Decides, hey, let's keep these two strong personalities apart. Let's keep them focused on their unique calling. And let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with having strong convictions. And we don't have to always agree on everything. But there are times when, like Paul... We have to speak up and speak out in front of everybody when you discern a dangerous compromise that is slowly growing quietly amongst the community. A compromise that others have become blind to. And by the way, no Matthew 18 for Paul. He doesn't say, Peter, I've got to have a little private conversation with you here. No, in front of everybody. By name, he calls it what he sees it, as he sees it. Which I guess is a lesson for us all. But whatever the reason, the Spirit prevents Paul entering Bithynia. I don't know about you, but it sure feels like a closed door to me, wouldn't you say? So now, what's what's an apostle to do? What's Paul supposed to do? He's not sure. Because have you noticed when God closes a door in your life, you are never quite sure what to do next. Karen and I had the privilege of being out in California last weekend with two or 300 Japanese for their biannual camp meeting. And while we were there, we, we took the story of Joseph together. I find that an absolutely fascinating story because here's the story of a guy, closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door. He's had this dream that he's going to be this great leader from since he was knee high of a grasshopper, but no open doors. Closed, closed, closed. Just like Abraham Lincoln, by the way. Just like Moses. Moses, who spends 40 years with a closed door, can't figure out what God's up to. I guess the door is forever shut. Just like Paul. When God closes a door in your life, you're never quite sure where to turn next. So here's the good news. You don't have to feel bad. You're not alone. It happens all the time. All right. So where's Paul to go? Well, there's only one direction left. He's tried south. He's tried east. He's tried west. He's tried north. Well, let's 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 see if we can go a little further. Verse 8. And so Paul and his team, they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. That's a seaport city, a little coastal town. And verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us, first 10. And after Paul had seen the vision. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let me put that map back up. Take a look at this, folks. Here's that map. They try to go west, closed door. They try to go north, closed door. Finally, they just wander over to Troas, and lo and behold, there is the open door that God has been waiting for them to find. I tell you what, that open door is so significant, I need you to read it now from Eugene Peterson's The Message. I've got it right there in the study guide for you, and I'll put it on the screen. Take a look at this. Now, here comes comes the message. Proceeding on through Mysia, they went down to the seaport Troas. That night, Paul had a dream. A Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, Come over to Macedonia and help us. I love this. The emphasis is mine. The dream gave Paul his map. We went to work at once getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces came together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. I like that. We knew now for sure. Would you write it down, please? For you see, the best way to an open door is through a closed one. Write it down. In fact, keep your pen moving. That's the anomaly. That's the mystery of divine Guidance, write in the word guidance. The best way to an open door is through a closed one. You know, sometimes we think because, because the door is closed, that means there's no way to get through. God says, hey, hey, time out. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean at all. It's precisely because the door is closed that you're going to get through, write this down, another door. I'm thinking of another door. Which is why I keep allowing them, keep writing your closed doors so that finally one day you will come to my open door. That's just the way I lead my friends. I use closed doors to get you to an open door. Whoa! So, have you been knocking on some closed doors lately? Hmm? Needing money? And it seems... There's none. Needing friends when it seems there's no one around. Needing guidance when it appears there is no divine answer. Needing health and healing and it doesn't seem to come. Needing professional success. What's up with that? But you keep hitting the door of professional failure. Where is my open door? I want to tell you something, my friend. I've got very good news for you today. The best way to an open door is through a closed one, which means that if you have been running through a lot of closed doors lately, there is an open door possibly just around the corner from where you are right now. Hallelujah. Huh? Don't you ever give up. Don't you ever, ever, ever give up. And would it be something, by the way, wouldn't this be something if it turns out that the open door waiting for you and the open door waiting for me and the open door waiting for Andrews University is the very same door, the open door that Paul found? Look at it, look look at verse 9 again, let me read that. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. That's the Macedonian matrix. The Macedonian cry. Jim Collins. Those of you that read business uh, leadership literature recognize the name Jim Collins. He wrote a rather celebrated book entitled, and I'll put it on the screen for you here, Good to Great. Here's the subtitle. Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't. I'm working my way through this book. In the book, he describes... How successful organizations, the most, by the way, good is easy, great is hard. Good is easy, great is hard. So they've taken the greatest. He describes how the, the most successful organizations and companies and leadership teams are driven by what he calls a B-hag. And that's how you pronounce it, a B-HAG. What does Jim Collins mean when he describes a B-HAG? Let's put it on the screen. I want you to get get the B-HAG down. What is a B-HAG? It is a big, hairy, audacious goal. Big, hairy, audacious goal. What does that mean? Audacious. By the way, I was just reading the paper this week and I saw that word audacious used in the newspaper. Those of you that are following the news from our sister country of the UK know that there was a huge bank heist one of the largest in history, 87 million dollars stolen this last week from a bank in England. And they called it an audacious caper. Audacious means wild and crazy and huge. Now, what is Colin's point? A BHAG, in fact, you need to jot this down. A BHAG, a huge daunting goal, is a vision. Would you write this in, please? It is a vision so compelling that it drives the entire organization in its unique mission and destiny. To you get those two words, vision and mission? Critical words. The most successful companies and organizations and leadership teams are, dri- are driven by their BHAG. Everybody's cued as to what the BHAG is. Nobody has to be told what it is. The whole organization, the institution knows and everybody's driven by that solitary, big, hairy, audacious goal. In the Macedonian cry, God gave Paul a compelling behag, a big, hairy, audacious goal that Paul had not seen. You think about it. Paul heretofore has been content to simply wander around Asia Minor. Nothing wrong with that goal, by the way. But wandering around, and God comes to him and he says, You know what, boy? You are dreaming way too small for me. You want a province. I want to give you a continent that will turn to be the entire west. I'll give it all to you. You need a hag. You need a huge mission and vision from me. So how did the message put it? Jot this down. I, I love Peterson's rendition of this line. The dream gave Paul his map. That's his BHAG map. And then Luke goes on. We went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces came together. And by the way, when an organization, when an institution, when a leadership team has a BHAG, that's what happened. Suddenly all the pieces begin to start to fit. We knew now, Luke writes, we knew now for sure that God has called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. They went from Asia to Europe to the entire West with a new vision, a BHAG A BHAG from God, a BHAG for God. Hallelujah. And guess what? It took closed doors to find the open one. Always does. So, here's the question that begs to be asked. What is God's BHAG vision for your life? What is God's BHAG vision for my life? What is God's BHAG vision for this university? Ever wonder? The Macedonian matrix. Write it down. Come over to Macedonia and help us. You know what the Greek... It's very interesting in the Greek here. The the Greek that describes the man in the dream begging. Paul will use that same word for begging later when he writes 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And In fact, let me put it on the screen here. When he's begging God to heal him. This is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away this physical malady. Now keep your pen moving. In other words... The intensity with which Paul pleaded with God for physical deliverance is the same intensity with which this Macedonian stranger pleaded with Paul for spiritual deliverance. You got to, you got to, you got to help us. Come over. You know why? Because lost people are faced with the most awful closed door of all the door of eternity. Shut. The door of salvation, shut. And by the way, not shut on God's part. The fact of the matter is, lost people don't even know that there's a door, and they don't know that the door is wide open. They don't even know there's a door. And He's begging, I beg of you, come over here, come west, and help us, please. And where's Macedonia for us? This BHAG vision for third millennial Adventism. This BHAG vision for Andrews and you and me. Where is Macedonia for us? I'll tell you where it is. It's the entire planet of lost men, women, and children. It's the secular West. It is the pagan East and the cities of both, including Benton Harbor and South Bend. By the way, please, please, don't miss next Sabbath, next weekend. I'll tell you why. We're going to go to the last place in the universe. There's one unconquered, unexplored region left. One left. And next Sabbath, we'll go to it. We'll go to the only book in the Bible. Only one that ends with a question. The only book. And we'll find out where that is. Don't you miss next weekend. By the way, uh, where's Macedonia? <laughs> it's all around us. I, I got an email just a few days ago from one of our viewers here in Michigan. Let me read the email to you. Please pray for my complete conversion... I've never really given in totally to God's promptings and I've been watching Pastor Nelson's sermons on Channel 46 and am convinced that I must submit now. We are looking at eternity." Come over. Come over into Macedonia and help us. Could it be... now, Now, here's where I really need you to be thinking. Could it be that our vitality as a community of faith... And as a religious academic institution is directly proportional to our immersion into this BHAG mission for God. I have brooded on this for months now. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I believe that absolutely there is a correlation. So that leads me to ask, could it be? that the closed doors that we're experiencing are being closed by God one by one so that we might finally find the open door of His BHAG vision for us all. Come over. Come on. Come over into Macedonia and help us. Help me reach every man, woman, and child on earth. Make that your compelling spiritual mission at that place. Make it the mission of your life, the mission of that campus. Teach it. Talk it. Pray it. Seek it. Model it. Finance it. Like Nike says, just Do it. Could it be our doors are being closed? One after another until finally we get to the open door that's been waiting there all along. A mission. God's BHAG mission. Oh, by the way, a mission not just for the religion department or the Theological Seminary, but a mission every department, every floor of that ad building, every staff team driven by God's BHAG to move out into Macedonia with every creative method that the bright minds of this campus can come up with. It can be done. Scott Moncrief, professor of English, he wrote a blog. I read it yesterday in the Adventist Review. Why I Believe in God dealt with the reality of struggling with that question. I was so proud of him. One of our Andrews faculty. Why? Because he's taking his belief in God and sharing it with a wider world. BHAG. A BHAG vision of taking it off this campus and into the world. I tell you what, when, this is my sense, and I may be wrong here, but when we unabashedly make God's BHAG our BHAG, All the financial and numerical indicators that we've been so concerned about, I really believe the numbers will grow. They will simply grow. Because when the word goes out that we've embraced a compelling BHAG for the mission of God, there isn't a dedicated family alive in this nation that wouldn't want its young to be nurtured and trained in that same BHAG mission. Bring it on. Take my children, please. 150 of our students every Sabbath afternoon go to Benton Harbor. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you for those students. But you know what? There are 2,750 other students who need a mission. It doesn't have to be Benton Harbor. It doesn't have to be at all. Student missions, task force, create some new mission ministries. I've been in dialogue with the leaders in Chicago for the last two months. We're looking at 9.3 million human beings in the greater Chicagoland area. And on a conversation just this last Wednesday night, the president there said, "Why? what do you suppose we could do? Andrews University and Chicago teamed up to reach the Windy City. I sat down last night after meditating on some other Scripture passages and pulled out a legal pad, a yellow pad, and I began to scribble ideas. What could be done? We've got the brightest and the best of young adults in the denomination right here on this campus. We've got faculty second to none. If you could harness that resource, it's just a drive, it's a hop, skip, and a jump around the corner of this lake. We could be in Chicago on weekends. We could be planting churches. We could be growing the work of Christ. Of course, we got Benton Harbor. We are not going to abandon Benton Harbor. But there's more to the world than Benton Harbor. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come to the west. Cross over those waters. Come into our darkness. Bring the light of your Christ. Hey, jot this down. Just a a little over a hundred years ago, these words were written and you need to fill it in. There's one key word missing. I'm going to read the quote. It's in your study guide. To show a liberal, self-denying spirit for the success of foreign missions. That would be God's BHAG, His global BHAG. To show concern for that is a sure way to advance home missionary work. In other words, Andrews University and Pioneer. You want to grow it here? Get out there. For the, here it goes. For the prosperity of the homework, Andrews and Pioneer, depends largely under God upon the, write it in, reflex influence, reflex influence of the evangelistic work done in countries afar off. That would be God's BHAG again. It is in working to supply the necessity of others, others, others that we bring our souls into touch with the source of all divine power. End quote. Did you catch that uh, phrase? The reflex influence. I don't know if doctors still do this, but you remember when as a kid you went to a doctor and, and, and he sat you down on that, uh, that little uh, table there and he said, alright, cross your leg. And you, and you, and you crossed your leg and you remember he took out a little black hammer and he just hits you right here. And when he hits you, you're like, boing! It made you feel like a fool, didn't it? He'd hit you in the knee and your foot would shoot up. What's he doing? He's, tech, he's testing your reflexive response. When you work with something here, there's an automatic reflexive response. The point that we're, we're, we're seeing here is that when you get involved out there, there's a reflexive influence and it creates vitality in here. Our, our, our senior leadership team, our pastoral staff right now, is reading a book called The Externally Focused Church. The book is absolutely right on. Externally focused churches, externally focused campuses, living in a world out there, experience heretofore unknown Vitality and growth. Why? Because it's reflective. You go out there, you'll do better in here. I know that this. I know that this is not uh, streetwise. I know what the people on the street say. The people on the street say, "Hey, boy, you want it. you? You're having trouble with your resources. Hang on to everything you got. Pull it in, pull it in, pull it in. You might lose it all. That's craziness. Because you know why? The kingdom of God is the very opposite of the kingdom of this earth. In the kingdom of God, he who wants to save his life must what? You've got to lose your life in order to save it. You can't save it. If you save it, you die. If you lose it, you grow. Behag. God's behag vision. I tell you what, to move from good. It's not hard, Jim Collins says, it's not hard to be good. There are a whole lot of goods out there. Churches and colleges. But it's tough to be great to move from good to great, you need a big, hairy, audacious goal that everybody, everybody supports. What is our BHAG? It's the same one Paul had. It's a Macedonian matrix. Come over. Come on. Come over here. Come over to Macedonia and help us. What would happen? Okay, I'm going to sit down. But let me just ask you this. What would happen if at every board meeting... There are boards all over this campus. We have one here. You have one over there. What would happen if in every board meeting we began the board meeting by asking the question, how are we doing with our BHAG? How's it going? What's new with the BHAG? What would happen if every time that committee met, it began with a hag question? Every time the RAs gathered in the dorm, they say, Hey, listen, what's happened? How are we reaching the lost right here in our circle? What, happened, what would happen if every time the faculty convened, that faculty meeting began with the question, How are we doing with our BHAG? What would happen? If every time the student association got together with its top leadership... The first question after the prayer is, how are we doing with our BHAG? What's happening? You see, to go from good to great, you have to have a BHAG. And everybody needs to know I'm a part of it. Every department, every staff team, everybody shares the same BHAG. Come over into Macedonia. Ah! Come over into Macedonia and help us. I love that line, the dream gave Paul his map. Ladies and gentlemen, it must give us our map too, our behag map for Christ. Because I want to remind you, Jesus knew all about closed doors. That night in the Garden of Gethsemane, as He is begging for a door to open, all He can find in that sweaty and black night is a closed door. Do you know why? Because the best way to an open door is a closed one. And so the door slams shut in Gethsemane so that we get Calvary where the door is wide open to the whole human race. It takes a closed door to get us to an open door. If we've been going through closed doors lately, that means there's still an open door we're being led to Big, hairy, audacious goal for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because we're at eternity's edge. That that email from a viewer is absolutely right. But it's not too late. Our closed doors can lead us to God's open door. And by the way, this open door is so wide an entire campus can stream through it. Come. I beg of you, come. Come over. Come over to Macedonia. Please. And help us. Wow, that is a BHAG I want for my life. How about you? Wow. This Wednesday, when we gather to pray, you know what? That would be a great focus for our corporate praying around here. Dear God, what is? what do you want us to do to get to that open door? Closed doors, we know them. We want the open door, God. Can you imagine a whole campus on its knees? can't spend a whole day on your knees, but you can spend part of that day on your knees. You can. You really can. An entire campus, faculty and administration and straight tours, and staff and pastors and community members, all of us, Pray, God, take us to that open door. We're ready to go, please. Let's end by singing the words of Jesus to us. Hymn 578. I love this hymn. Let's sing it. Let's have Jesus sing these words to us. So send I you. Like the Father sent me, so I now send you. Hymn 578. Oh, Father God, we hear. We cannot help but hear that voice pleading, pleading in the distance. You've got to come. You can't. Stay there. You can't live by yourselves in that place. Come out. Come to us and help us. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after He said this, He showed them His hands and His side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace Be with you as the Father has sent me. So send I you. Amen.